Hi, this is Dan. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I trust that it'll encourage you and build your faith. If you'd like to connect with me further, visit my website at revivalnow.com. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at RevivalNowDanSteep and Twitter at RevivalNowDan. You can also download the Revival Now app. Enjoy the podcast and share it with a friend. I'm Dan Steep, and this is the Dan Steep Podcast. Thank you for joining me. We're talking Bible prophecy in this episode. Uh, How many people will die in the Great Tribulation? Uh, We're going to be looking in Revelation 19, verses 11 through 21, to springboard things. How many people will die in the Great Tribulation? Now, the Great Tribulation is um, a seven-year period of time that follows the rapture of the church, and the rapture of the church is the next major uh, prophetic event to unfold in these last days in Bible prophecy. So we're talking about that period of time after the church is raptured out of the earth, which means the body of Christ, comprised of every born-again, blood-washed believer in Jesus Christ. So um, then when the, the, the church is removed, when God's people are removed out of the earth, then that marks the beginning of a seven-year tribulation period where God's wrath and judgment is poured out on the earth. Well, let's get into our scripture in Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 21. Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and his head were, on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing down from a a winepress. On his robe, at his thigh, was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky, Come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat flesh, eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. And the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown down, were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding on the white horse, and the vultures all gorged themselves 
on the dead bodies. When we come to the end of this this, uh, reading here in this passage of Scripture, uh, it begins to talk about um, the second coming of Christ. So in this segment of end-time prophecy, uh, it begins with the rapture of the church, and then the seven-year tribulation, and the seven-year tribulation is ended by the second coming of Christ. You see, the rapture of the church is not the second coming of Christ. In fact, Christ does not even set foot on the earth in the rapture of the church. He comes on the clouds, and the church is caught up together and meet him in the air. Uh, And then the second coming is when Jesus comes to win this decisive victory against the Antichrist, which marks the end of the tribulation. But our question in this episode is how many people will die in the Great Tribulation? Now, this, this, the picture here in Revelation 19 is a picture of the second coming of Christ, of the battle of Armageddon, which is the taking place in the earth when Jesus comes and decisively ends it. And the battle of Armageddon is one of many events that will result in a massive death toll. Then after the rapture, the restraining force of the Antichrist will be removed. So in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, it talks about the restraining force, which the, the restraining force is the church. It's the body of Christ. And it talks about when the restrainer is removed, how the Antichrist will be able to do what he wants to do, but I won't leave it uh, to guess. I'll just read those scriptures. Uh, this is Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses six and seven. And and you know what is holding him back, the, the Antichrist, for he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness, verse seven, is already at work secretly. So the Antichrist, the the, the spirit of Antichrist, is already strongly at work in the world, secretly. And it's becoming, the the manifestations of it are so obvious if um, you really have ears to see, ears to hear and eyes to see. Um, But for those that don't, you just think that that's just what's going on in the earth. But verse 7 says, This lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Who's the one holding it back? People have postulated and speculated that it's uh, the government or governments, but governments will be here uh, after the rapture of the church and during the tribulation. Some said, well, it has to be the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit will be here after the rapture and during the tribulation. But the one thing that won't be here is the body of Christ. God's people, the body of Christ on earth, praying, fasting, believing God's word, standing on it, standing for righteousness, paying their tithes, because there's there's a great blessing that is attached with the paying of the tithe. God opening the windows of heaven and rebuking the devourer for the sake of those who bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's in Malachi chapter 3. So 
that's the restraining force. And work, but the scripture says he's already at work secretly and will remain secret until he's able to be revealed when the one who restrains has moved out of the way. So working in the background of our political system is the spirit of Antichrist. And I shared a, um, a teaching that you can find on our website, on our app, as well as our Facebook page at Revival Now Dan Steep and uh, the YouTube page, uh, Revival Now Dan Steep. And you can look up a playlist uh, on, the, uh, on Bible prophecy and understanding the book of Revelation and when you look in there, you will find one that it talks about the five antichrist agendas in the world. There are five political antichrist agendas in the world. A one-world leader, a one-world government, one-world religion, one-world monetary system or economy, and a one-world military. And, and both Daniel and Revelation uh, prophesy of the seven-year tribulation. That is... 2,520 consecutive days of unparalleled anguish and horror. Uh, the the seven uh, years coming from uh, Daniel's seven sets of seven, or 70 sets of seven, actually, but when he speaks about the this period of time, there is a, a seven-year period, and if you take seven times 360, which was the, the ancient Hebraic calendar, uh, not a 365-day calendar, that comes to 2,520 consecutive days. And this horror is so great that Jesus said in Matthew 24, uh, verses 21 and 22, uh, he said that it, 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 this calamity, if, if God did not shorten it, not a single person would survive. But that God shortened it for the sake of, of his chosen ones, and those chosen ones are the tribulation saints, those who walk with God and trust in Jesus Christ during the great tribulation, those ones who refuse the mark of the beast and suffer greatly because of it. Because of it. And, and God shortened the tribulation for the sake of his chosen ones. Now here's a fact. No one outside of God knows the exact number of deaths during the tribulation. But the Bible does provide some mathematical clues as to the number. So let's get into it. We're talking about how many people will die during the Great Tribulation. Uh, so number one, how many people will be on the earth after the rapture? Well, let's think about the Earth's, the earth's population now. It's approximately 8 billion people on earth now. 7 point something it's also impossible to know the exact number. Uh, the current we know that uh, we're told anyway that the current population growth rate is one billion people every seven to ten years, and the number of the number of people participating in the rapture is another thing that's knowable by God alone. So there's a lot of things that only God knows. How many people will die in the tribulation? How many people are, are on the earth right now? Uh, I mean. Those demographers and those who study those things, the best that they can do is give an educated guess based upon data, but it's not knowable. And the number of people participating in the rapture is only knowable by God. But my guess, 
based upon what I see in the earth and the fact that Jesus did seem to put his finger on a generation that would be around if you get toward the end of Matthew 24 and he talks about the fig tree and with the fig tree buds, uh, the one that sees these things happening, those are the ones that, that will um, be, be here at the rapture of the church. And the fig tree budding was a representative of the rebirth of the nation of Israel. And a lot of people don't understand that when they read Scripture now, but I guarantee you every person that Jesus was speaking to when he said that, they knew exactly what the fig tree represented. And when it, when it would bud again, it represented the rebirth of the nation of Israel, which we know took place on May 14, 1948. And Jesus said the, the, the generation that sees this is the generation that will see all these things, including the rapture of the church, take place. And uh, that generation, if you were born on May 14, 1948, uh, you're probably like 73, 74 years old now. So if that, uh, that prophecy is correct, then we're in the window of the generation that will be here for the rapture of the church. And so my guess then, timeline-wise, is that uh, we might be looking at, um, you know, 800 billion uh, people on the earth. Not 800 billion, my apologies. I'm looking at uh, a couple of other numbers. Uh, 8 billion people on earth now. Maybe, maybe that grows by a billion, by the time the rapture of the church occurs. My apologies there for the, the moment of confusion. So let's say we get to 9 billion. Um, and then let's start looking about at, at the, the potential size of, of those who participate in the rapture of the church. Uh, so current statistics say this, that there's 800 million to 1 billion Protestants in the earth. Uh, scripture says there's, uh, or not Scripture, my apologies, uh, but if you, if you, you know, Google it, look online and check it out, they say there's about 1.2 billion Catholics. Now, every Protestant is not born again, every Protestant is not saved, and every Protestant will not participate in the rapture of the Church. And I think it would be safe to say that um, when it comes to Catholicism, most Catholics won't participate in the rapture of the church because most Catholics are not born again. But there are born-again Catholics. So, so the next statistic then would be just evangelicals, and uh, it's stated that there's 660 million evangelicals. I don't think these numbers can be exactly known either. Now, since it's not an exact science, I'm going to use 1 billion people for the rapture. 1 billion people. Because if you, if you take these numbers of 800 million to 1 billion Protestants, 1.2 billion Catholics, 660 million evangelicals, which would fall under the, the uh, Protestant category, uh, I'm just going to say that within there, we're looking at um, 1 billion people that would uh, participate in the rapture of the church. 
So if you take the 9 billion population minus 1 billion people raptured from the earth, that's uh, 8 billion people on earth after the rapture. Now, these things aren't, are, are not completely knowable, but we're taking some educated guesses and we're taking uh, some hints from Scripture. Now, where do we find the prophecies in the Bible about how many people will die during uh, the tribulation? Well, first, let's look at Revelation chapter 6, verse 8. Revelation chapter 6, verse 8. Because we find um, that Revelation chapter 6 through uh, 18 are um, the, the chapters that deal with what's going to happen during the tribulation. So Revelation chapter 6, verse 8. It says, these. Uh, let me jump to where it begins. I looked up and saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death, and his companion was the grave. These two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with sword and famine and disease and wild animals. So that's one-fourth of the earth. So 25% of 8 billion is 2 billion people killed by sword, disease, and wild animals. And that brings us down to a population of 6 billion people. Now in Revelation chapter 9, verses 14 through 16, we read, And the voice said to the sixth angel who held the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great Euphrates River. Then the four angels who had been uh, prepared for this hour and day and month and year were turned loose to kill one-third of the people on the earth. I heard the size of their army, which was two million mounted troops. So there's another one-third of the population of the earth. So now you're down to six billion uh, minus the one-third, which is 198 billion or so so it's it's uh, almost 2 billion 198 so so basically you round it to 2 billion now you're down to 4 billion my apologies math is by far my weakest subject area so 9 billion 6 billion minus 2 billion you're down to 4 billion people Here's something interesting, because verse 16, just a bit of a side note, uh, I heard the size of their army, which was 200 million mounted troops. It's, uh, it's reported, because, you know, the, the, the Chinese communist government doesn't, uh, isn't known for being you know, forthright about much of anything, but uh, it, it's reported that there are 2 million people in China's army, but they've also been quoted saying that they could put together an army of two million people in a time of war. So it's, it's, it's not out, out of the stretch of the imagination here that there would be an army which was two million mounted troops. And then when you get into the Battle of Armageddon, and the, this League of Nations that will come together against Israel, now you're talking about multiple nations uh, of an army, so it's not difficult at all uh, to, to conceive of a two-million-man army. 
and be quiet, Siri. Okay, now just take a look real quick at uh, verses 17 and 18. And in my vision, I saw the horses and the riders sitting on them. The riders wore armor that was fiery red and dark blue and yellow. The horses had heads like lions and fire and smoke and burning sulfur billowed from their mouths. So in between these two passages, half the world's population dies. We're down to 4 billion people. You've got the, you know, from the rapture of the church all the way down through these great um, calamities and wars and, and, you know, just, you know, murder on a level that you can't even imagine. We're, now half the population of the, of the world dies. So you're starting to, 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 um, to see just how many people, that's why you don't want to be a part of the tribulation. I implore anyone that can hear my voice, make a choice for Jesus today. You don't have to be a part of the Great Tribulation, and you don't have to go to hell. Jesus told us in Matthew 25, verse 41, that hell wasn't even created for you. It was created for the devil and his angels, so you don't have to die and go to a sinner's hell. Now, lastly, let's take a look as as we're sort of culling down the world's population uh, there'll be multiple other devastations in the tribulation where multiple multitudes will die. In Revelation chapter seven verse nine, it says that uh, there'll be a number too great to count that will will die. That and that number that's too great to count is actually talking about the the tribulation saints. Matthew or, or I'm sorry, Revelation chapter seven verse nine. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. Now, this is a, a heavenly vision uh, of this, this number standing before the Lord. These are the tribulation saints that have been martyred. The, there are untold billions yet to hear the gospel that enter into the tribulation. That, and and of, of that number, there are, there are those that are going to turn to Christ because of the times that they're living in. And they're going to be martyred because they refuse to take the mark of the beast. Martyred through war, through, the Bible talks about extreme exposure and starvation. And of course, just martyred through persecution and killing them. Now in Revelation 16, verses 12 to 16, it's talking about the the battle of Armageddon. Let's look at Revelation 16, 12 through 16. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates River, and it dried up so that the kings from the east could march their armies toward the west without hindrance. Now, a side note, you can Google it. Uh, The Euphrates River is currently drying up. There are places where it's dried up. So, you know, when I tell you that we're close, we are close. We are living in the final minutes of the final hours of the last days. Now, verse 13 says, I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs leap from the mouths of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. They're demonic spirits who work miracles and go out to the rulers of the world to gather them for battle against the Lord on that great day of judgment, on that great judgment day of the Lord Almighty. Look, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Blessed are those who are watching for me, who come, 
who keep their clothing ready so they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed. Verse 16, And the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and the armies to a place with the Hebrew name Armageddon. Battle of Armageddon, that's where the blood of the dead will reach as high as a horse's bridle, and it will take over seven months to dispose of the dead. I'm not just saying that that's what the Scripture uh, lays out for us and tells us. That's how devastating it will be. So there are multiple other devastations, wars that are going to take place during the tribulation uh, whereby multitudes will die. Revelation 16.20 talks about earthquakes so great that mountains are leveled and islands disappear. So I'm saying six, million, six billion or more are going to die just during the Great Tribulation. And, and again, as, as Jesus said, possibly no one would have survived or will survive because it's a future event if God doesn't shorten the time. The most important question is not how many will die. The most important question is, are you ready to die? Are you ready to meet the Lord? The most important question is, are you going to be there during the tribulation? Because if you haven't made a personal and public decision to confess your sins, repent of your sins, and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you won't be ready for the rapture. You won't be ready to meet the Lord in the air. And that means when you're left behind, you're going to participate in the greatest calamities history has ever known and will ever see after that. Are you ready to meet the Lord? You see, God is holy by nature. It's, it's who He is. He literally cannot change who He is. He's bound Himself to it. And we're sinful by nature. It's a condition that, that humanity was born into. But God took the initiative to remedy our condition. He sent His only Son, Jesus, who died on a cross to bridge the gap between the holiness of God and the unholiness of man. And all you have to do is recognize your sinfulness. Why is that important? Because unless you recognize your sinfulness, you can't repent of your sin. To recognize your sin doesn't mean to be able to recount every sin you've ever committed in your life. You see, sin is not only an act that people perform, sin is a condition that we're born into. And when we recognize our sinful condition, then we can repent of that, that sin. Jesus said, and you'll perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. To repent simply means to change, to change your mind, change your direction, change your lifestyle. It's to turn from a life of sin and turn to Jesus Christ, who is the only source of forgiveness for that sin. And once you've recognized your sin and repented of your sin, you simply receive 
Jesus Christ. That means to commit your heart to him by faith. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I want to offer a simple prayer of salvation. It contains all these these three elements of recognizing, repenting, and receiving. And if you repeat this prayer after me from a place of sincerity in your heart, you can know from this day forward that you're, you're ready to meet the Lord. You're forgiven. You'll be a participant in the rapture of the church. And you will not need to even think about the atrocities that await those who are not ready to meet the Lord when the rapture occurs and the great tribulation takes place. Would you pray this prayer with me? Just say it out loud after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I admit that I've sinned. I believe Jesus died for my sins, and he rose from the grave to give me victory over sin and death. I confess my sinfulness. I repent. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and make me a new person. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When you prayed that prayer with me, you called on the name of the Lord. So by the authority of God's word, you're saved. You're you're born again, and you're on your way to heaven because you have Jesus in your heart. If you prayed that prayer with me, please go to our website at revivalnow.com. Revivalnow.com. You'll find a big red button on the front page of our website. It says, I just got saved. Click that button. It'll take you to a place where you can view some video resources that I've prepared for you to help you get started in your Christian life. And there's also a place for you to fill out your contact information. If you fill out your contact information, we're going to send you some resources to help you get started in your Christian life. And listen, we're not sending those resources to you so that you'll fill out your contact information. We're sending them to you because you fill out your contact information. We don't need your information. Uh, Your information won't show up on a mailing list. You won't receive a phone call soliciting anything. Uh, We just want to know who you are so we can pray for you. And we want your information so that we can send you some um, materials to help you get started in your Christian life. So go to RevivalNow.com, click I Just Got Saved, and follow the prompts from there. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode. I trust that it's been a blessing to you. And if it has, please share it with your friends and help us get the word out, spread the gospel, the good news of the gospel. And um, so you're helping us out that way. And that's pretty much the only thing that I would ever have to ask of you. I love you all. Appreciate you. And uh, just uh, tune back in as we will continue to uh, release more and more good, sound biblical teaching to get you ready for what's coming. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name.